All right. Hey, so we are in the midst of uh, Advent, and so we're spending four Sundays, and we're looking at the idea of, uh, you know, Advent is really the celebration of the first Advent or the coming of Jesus, and then it's also all about expectation, because it's, it's the expectation that Jesus said he would come again, and so it's, it's a time to slow down and celebrate that. Uh, what we're doing is, is we're on the second Sunday of Advent, which is, which is about peace. And so our theme through this series is, is humble king. Uh, royalty meets humility in Christmas, right? Jesus turns everything upside down. It's different than, than any, any other place in the world uh, where there's power. Jesus changed it all. Uh, and so today we're going to look at the humble king of peace. And we're going to see that peace, the peace of God is born into the world through an infant that is born to a teenager. So let's pray. Father, thank you for um, our time together today. And I I thank you for each person here, um, that they are the crown jewel of your creation, God. You uniquely put each one together and decided who they would be and where they would live and what they're like and all those things. And in the midst of that, you desired that they would find you and be restored to you and and then love others uh, with that same love that you love them. And so God, as we are here today, um, there's one thing for sure. Uh, We all would love peace. Uh, We would love peace in our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces. We would love peace in our city, in our world. And yet, that comes through relationship. And so we ask you'd speak today, Holy Spirit. You'd teach us. Help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of times we define peace as is a lack of interruptions, right? So, uh, you know, if you have somebody that's constantly getting maybe a boss at work and, and all the employees are coming in and just like, can I just get some peace and quiet, right? A lot of times peace is equated to quiet. And so I think we think that interruptions are, if we have the lack of that, that we can have, that we can have peace. But I would say that uh, that's actually not true. Um, you know, what can seem to be one of the largest interruptions is, is people coming to your door, Right, and we have all kinds of things today, like ring doorbells, and we can see who's at the door, and all sorts of things. But when you're in the midst of what you're doing, and, and somebody knocks on your door or rings your doorbell, it can feel like a great interruption. Um, our dog, he can kind of see through part of our door is glass, and so he can see kind of people walking up. But it's kind of tint or not tinted, but uh, muted glass, and so he can't see all the way through. So if he sees motion out there, he is barking. And he's got this big, real big bark. And uh, it's funny, um, he'll let us know if somebody's coming way before we know. Be in the other room, can't see out. And, and yet, what, because he can't see totally, like I'll walk in from, a, from exercising or whatever, and, and he'll start barking at me. And I'll get up close enough and I'll say, it's okay, it's me. You know, and then the wag comes, right? And then it's like, oh, it, it's you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. It's okay. Well, I believe that peace is like this. I think that we're trained to bark when the interruptions come in our lives. I think when things happen and it doesn't go necessarily the way we want it, we see those as something that's coming up against us in our peace. But in reality, I think that we can miss who and what is really coming at us. I think that God is actively pursuing peace for us more than we are for ourselves. Because he really has it and he really knows how to give it to us. So I think that peace comes to us through the vehicle of interruptions in our life. I mean, think about it. 
uh, this morning. I, I came in here, and I've got lots of things to do, and so here early, and yet the sun is doing this interrupting thing of being beautiful in the morning. And so I'm walking in, and it's like, wow, look at that. You know, look at the colors and everything that's there. Uh, you may have gone hiking through the wilderness, and, and, and you just kind of stop. And you would say it's peaceful. So it's full of peace. And that's an interruption. You may be on a hike, and, but you, you just have to stop and take it in. And so peace comes in through interruptions in our life. The prophet Isaiah wrote about the greatest interruption of all time, the birth of Jesus. And he wrote this hundreds of years before he was born. He said this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so if you're called the prince of something, I mean, it's it's like you're the source. You're the one that that brings it about. Uh, And so... You know, the majority of the earth's 8 billion people probably would say that we want peace. Absolutely, we want peace starting with us and, and the people around us. We don't want war. Um, but we have to get more specific if we really want to dial that in and get real peace, the peace that God has for us. And, and it, there's a saying, you may have heard me say it, but if you want to be terrific, you have to be specific. So there you go. Just write that down, take it with you, and, and it's, it's just so true. And so, as far as getting specific, you know, the desire for peace, like, can we just have peace? Can we just be at peace? And that's kind of ethereal. That's in the clouds. But if we get specific, really what peace has to do with, and like, where does peace grow? If peace is, it, it, what soil does it grow in? It grows in the soil of righteousness. And that's what Scripture says. Psalm 85, verse 10 says that love and faithfulness meet together. And then listen to this righteousness and peace kiss each other. It's like that llama straight on my face the other day. You know, it's just like that llama and me, we were right there. It came back for more and I said, I'm done. I'm out. Okay. My wife was like, great. This is so wonderful. You know, um, but righteousness and peace kiss, kiss each other. So God's view of peace, if we were to ask him, you know, God, what do you think of peace? He would say, well, true peace does not happen without righteousness. And so righteousness is right relationship with God, the vertical relationship, and then right relationship with people. And so we don't have peace unless we have, we have that. So Isaiah and the other writers, you know, communicate that, you know, peace is not something to discuss or something to, you know, say it's unobtainable, but it's, it's that peace has really become a person. Let's get even more specific. Peace isn't an idea, Peace is not something that we, you know, just, you know, toss around or whatever, but it's, it's become a person in the person of Jesus. And that person is like this. Philippians 2.7 says, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And so Jesus, as he brings, he's the Prince of Peace. He has all of these titles that are given of him, you know, Mighty Counselor and, and Prince of Peace and all of these things, and yet he comes humbly as a child. But even more humbly, let's look at who he comes through. And, and what I want us to take with us today, what I want us to know, is that peace comes knocking at our door every day. I really believe that. I really believe that, that God's desire is that we would be at peace. You know, God is hospitable. 
Uh, if, you go, if you were to come to our home, we would clean the house differently than we would normally. Uh, we would uh, probably have better food than we would have normally. We would probably have better drink than we would have normally. Because we would want you to be comfortable, to be at peace. And that's the heart of God. Like, that's God's fingerprints. You see it all throughout. You see God with feasts and meals. And we see this idea that in Revelation that there's going to be a final feast where it all comes together, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so you see God's heart is that we would be at peace because that's how he created us. And so God is constantly, constantly doing that for us. And so I believe that when we wake up every day, you know, that God's first thing is, is that we would just be at peace be in right relationship with him and others, and, and we would just be there. But let's see how he, how he gets all of this started in the person of Mary, and, and he knocks at her door. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 uh, today. And so if you have a Bible, it'll also be up here on the screen. Uh, but it says this, uh, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you, Mary. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So the messenger is an angel, um, and so it's God's messenger. He has God's message to bring to her. And and earlier in Luke chapter 1, this same messenger, Gabriel, brought a message to uh, her cousin, Elizabeth, and was able to walk through that and and shared with her about how she was going to have a child as well. Now, what's interesting, if you look here in verse 28... Look up here. It says, The angel went to her and said this, Greetings, you who are highly favored. And the first thing that we can see here is is that with this message of peace, a message is more kind of like, here's a message for everybody. And it's not quite personal yet. But what Mary has here is she has something that will bring her peace if she listens. And it's something for us as well that I believe God speaks to us too. I I think it's the heart of God. I think it's what God is communicating just all throughout Scripture and all throughout history and and all throughout our lives that he's communicating this is that when we understand our identity of who we are, that peace comes. You know, psychologists say that that when someone knows who they are, that they gain peace. By the way, if you Google how can I have peace, interesting stuff come up. Uh, Like there's this one, I, I just messed around like, well, what does it say? And this one said, here's 15 things to do to get inner peace. I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I, I'm already sunk. I mean, if I have to do 15 things to gain inner peace, I mean, this is just absolutely crazy. But we see here that identity grows peace in our lives uh, because it says, you who are highly favored, um, you know, think about that, that you get the message from God, right? You know, finally, you know, hey, God's got a message for you. You who are highly favored. And there's some play on the language here that doesn't necessarily come through in the NIV. Um, I like Eugene Peterson's uh, translation in the message. This is what he puts this verse as, verse 28. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Isn't that amazing? Imagine the peace that would come into Mary when that came in. And yet, um, you know, she was probably asking the question, like, who am I? She's a teenager. I mean, you know, who would go back to that time? 
You know, I think, you know, if you knew what you do now, you'd go back to being a teenager. But, I mean, it's, it's a hard time. Who am I? I mean, some of us may be working through that now still, too. Think about Mary. She's an unlikely candidate. She's young. She's probably poor. And she was a woman. And so much, there was much less respect and also honor within that day uh, for women as, as there is now. But God answers, you're my favorite one. You're, be- you're beloved and you're beautiful to me. And so I believe that's God's message for all people. And I think that, I think that we've gotten it wrong. You know, part of when, if you read in the book of Genesis in the beginning of the Bible, right, you see, you see God's first people and you see them make a choice that they would eat of a tree of good knowledge. God said you can eat of every tree, but not this tree. And so they ate of that tree, and you say, well, the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I think that one of the things that came through with that is that we would, call, we would have the desire to call something ugly or to call something beautiful. And I think we've just gotten it so wrong. Like, I think that we have completely gotten off base with that. Our values have changed as far as how we view things. That's part of the fall, I believe. So in Mary's special situation, you know, it, it, you could say, well, yeah, God's saying to her, hey, you're going you're gonna, to um, give birth to my son in the world. Of course, she's beautiful. But I believe it's, it's for all of us. I believe it's God's heart. And so think about that. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you wake up tomorrow morning and you look in the mirror and say, hello, beautiful. You know, I mean, I, but I mean, think about it. It, That is God's heart for you. That's God's heart for you. And, and, and guys too, take that on that God says that to you, you know, I mean, because we can say, well, no, it's handsome, but no, something beautiful is just something that is, it's amazing. And, and, and so that's what's happening here. And that's what God is communicating to Mary. Um, But there's a problem of fear. Fear is addressed here because all of this is coming in, and, and yet fear can be a problem in our lives. And, and that's really the battle line for us, right? The, the true battle on the face of the earth is in our minds. And so fear is a problem. In verse 30, the angel address, addresses this with her. He says, But the angel said, says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And so the reason I think the angel addresses this is that, is that fear really... Um, it really turns on the hinge of favor of God received or rejected. You see, if I reject the favor of God, if I reject the, the word of God that you're beautiful and you're amazing and, and God made you just how you are and God has a plan for you and you're special, if I reject that idea, then my natural reaction is going to be one of fear. That's how I'm going to be in relationship with other people. That's how I'm going to be at work. That's how I'm going to be with my neighbors. I'm, I'm going to be in fear. And so fear, what it does is, is, is it really turns in, into control. That's how it lives in our lives, is control. We control ourselves. We try to control other people. And fear does horrible things to our physical health, too. Like, fear really has a lot of effect on our, our physical health and our hearts. Uh, because fear, at, it raises our, our stress level constantly so that we don't have margin. So that when things happen in our lives, something stressful or different things, an interruption, right? And we just want to have peace. Uh, we don't have any margin and fear just tips us over the edge. And yet in verse 30, you've found favor. You've found this with God. It's actually the same word, favor. It's the same word as grace, or in, which is really translated gifts. 
And so it's like we've, we have gifts from God. We have grace from God. That's how we're to live with him. And so, so Gabriel's message carries affirmation for, for Mary. And, and this should bring peace in her life. And he's also helping her get rid of fear as well. But it's also an invitation, right? Message is grand. And yet there's a specific invitation that he has for her. And it's personal. And so we also see that peace has a personal invitation as well. So in verse 31, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So look at verse 31 there at the end where it says, And you are to call him Jesus. So... uh, this, this name would have been one that many of the, uh, the children in this time had. Uh, it was the name Joshua, uh, you know, or y- Yeshua. And so, uh, which means like God saves. So, yes, you are God's salvation for the world. That your son will be God's salvation for the world. That's the message. That's what you're going to name your son. And so the idea here, just we look back and we have perspective. But imagine what's happening here. A teenager is hearing that God is going to bring salvation in the world through you. And she has to sort through all of this. It's a personal, absolutely personal invitation. Frederick Buchner writes this about this scene here, about when Gabriel comes up. And he writes it from Gabriel's perspective. Uh, She struck the angel Gabriel as hardly old enough to have a child at all, let alone this child. But he'd been entrusted with a message to give her, and he gave it. He told her what the child was to be named and who he was to be and some things about the mystery that was to come upon her. You mustn't be afraid, Mary, the angel said. As he said it, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings, he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on the answer of a girl. And so we, we can often get overwhelmed with expectations in life, right? I mean, these are some pretty heavy expectations, right? I mean, you get a message from God finally, and it's like, hey, you, as a teenager, are going to give birth, and it's going to happen in a way that it's never happened before, and now you're going to do this. I mean, think about the expectations. P- pretty heavy. But I- I'm under the belief, again, I think that peace comes in through... an interruption from God, I'm under the understanding as I look at it that the expectations of God are not burdensome. He actually tells us that. Jesus, when he talked to uh, the people that were listening um, in John, when he talks to to them about um, his, uh, he says, take my yoke upon you. You know, he says, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. See, the, the Jews of the time had all sorts of different yokes. That they didn't just have one yoke. They had the, the yoke of this responsibility, the yoke of this expectation, the yoke of this expectation. And so you had all these different yokes that you would put upon you, but they were very, very um, belaborous for people. They, they really pushed people down. And so Jesus was speaking to the yoke of religion, the yoke of expectations of people around you. And, and we can have the yoke of our parents. We can have the yoke of um, you know, sometimes you know, the people closest to us, um, our family. We can have the yoke of our boss. or it is, It's all about performance, where we have to like, yoke up to this person and perform. And what we realize after a while is we can never really get there. We can never really move up to the standards of that thing. 
And then you have all these expectations, I mean, that add up. I mean, they're pretty heavy this time of year, right? Well, you know, if I need to get this gift for this person, and, and you know, if I don't get this, then, then are we not being good parents? And if I don't do this for this family, and they, all these expectations of life. And I think where we get into trouble is not that those expectations are there, but it's that we don't start with the most important expectation. It's about prioritizing. I think if we put God's expectation first, and we ask the question, God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have for me in 2019? God, what do you have for me this month? I think that if we do that, number one, he's going to answer us. And then number two, is the other expectations come, we're able to actually sort things out better because we're actually functioning in that primary expectation, which is to function with him. See, when I, um, when I was a uh, young boy, we lived on um, some land in Central California, my family and I, and so I'd be playing, do my thing, and, and just pretty much daily, we had horses and and we had um, all kinds of projects and building fences and things. And so almost daily, at some point, my mom would say, uh, you know, hey, go see what your dad needs. Because he was just always doing a project. And so, uh, and then some days, he was also a contractor building homes and different things. And so uh, some days, it was just like, hey, you know, find out if your dad needs you today. And so I'd go to the job site and, you know, maybe I'd help, you know, put up the you know, foundation for the home and, you know, put boards around it or pick up trash around there, whatever. But it was just this idea. It's just like what I was doing was not as important to what my dad needed. And don't get into the, don't make it more complicated, but it was just, it was just that important. It's just like my dad needed my help. And what if we lived our lives that way? We lived our lives that, you know, what does God need? What, what does God have for me in my life? And, and I believe that that's what, you know, that's what Mary, you know, had to ask here too. Uh, so, and it's, it's, it's not just kind of like, hey, do this, but no, this is going to change your whole life. It's drastically going to change your whole life. And so, uh, peace really has to come, it's come to stay. So rarely do you have somebody knock on your door and you're not expecting them, but then they say, hey, you know, I'm going to stay for a while. You know, I'm going to, you know, where, where can I put my stuff? We had some, uh, a friend recently, he's a, a pastor friend from Colorado and he called me and said, hey, you know, two of my kids are, are coming through town and they live in the center of Kansas and they're flying out to Atlanta the next morning. Can, you know, can they stay with you? Absolutely, you know. And you, you say that. And, and the, whole, the whole, you know, just the whole feeling of the home changes with this life. And, you know, last time we saw them, they were just teenagers. And, and now, uh, you know, one has, a, has her own child. And, and there was just all this life there. And, it, and, and the four-year-old was, was jumping off of, he, like, he got like five stairs up and he jumped off the, st- you know, and so I'm videoing, showing my friend. I mean, the whole home was changed for, for one night. That's what it's like with God. You know, so he doesn't, he doesn't just knock on the door and say, hey, but he says, you know, can I come stay a while? Can I, can I come in? The New Testament actually speaks of, um, the New Testament writers, Paul and others, speak of that we actually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there's the holy place now is, is not this place or, or another church building or uh, that. It, you don't go to a place, but you are the place. I mean, think about I mean, you, this morning, hopefully you guys feel pumped up. I, this is what I heard. I'm beautiful and I am the, where God dwells. And we can say that and we think, but see, our expectations and our idea of ourselves are so low, but that's how we are. 
One writer, I think it was C.S. Lewis, said, you know, if we could, you know, if we could really see humans in all of their glory, like, not like false glory, the glory of this life, but like the real glory of who we are to God and what he's given us, that he shared his likeness with us, if we could see that, we'd be tempted to bow down, you know? If the image of God really shone through us, if we were really seen for who we really are, we'd be tempted to do that. And so, so this is what's going on with Mary, is, is that she's in this place of, of, of surrendering. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One, to be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will never fail. So this is the kind of big interruption. I'm, I'm moving in. But, but look at Mary's answer. I mean, it's amazing. It's such courage. And, and um, I was a youth pastor for, for a lot of years, for about 10 years, and uh, I, I miss it in a lot of ways. I miss it. Those are some of our favorite times of, of serving people and being with people is just because we would be with teenagers all the time. And, and, you know, and the people we served with were our family. And we, that's, that's who we hung out with. And we just see in the life change. And, and I saw this over and over and over again where God had a message. And like, I want to come in and be with you. And just saw teenagers. Yeah. I'm in. And, and God shares, I want to do this. Yeah, I'm in. And so somehow, I think as we get a little bit older, we, 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 we start to dream less. The imagination goes away, and it starts to be more comfortable. We don't want the interruptions to mess things up as much. But teenagers are like, are you kidding me? i got my whole life in front of me. And do it with God? Let's go. Let's do it. So surrender really works itself out in our lives as peace. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her, right? I mean, I, that always stays with me. Then the angel left her. It's just like she says, yes, you're like, I'm out. I'm out of here. I mean, it's just that this is weird stuff. I mean, this doesn't make sense, but God's doing this through a teenager. So surrender. When I surrender, it works itself out as, as peace in my life. And so think about your life today. Not the expectations of, of a person you know, that are unrealistic or not the expectations of maybe your idea of God. Like maybe you're super driven and maybe God, when you wrote down what he's like, maybe God kind of looks a lot like you. But like the real God, the one that says, good morning, beautiful. I want to come in and be with you. I want to live with you. Like what he wants of you. What is it? What is he asking of you? What, how is he asking you to live? What is he asking you to surrender? And it's not based upon the ideas. Like, I, I got it wrong. Uh, you know, a lot of times, I, I wasn't raised in the church, and, but I felt like I surrendered my life to Christ, and, and I'd push. And, but it was kind of, a, there was this idea that if I, and it's such a great, uh, just a great lie, not good, but just it's huge, is that if you surrender your life to God and like how he really asks of you and just says, look, I give my life to you, Lord, um, that it's going to be boring. You're not going to have any fun. Or, or you know, just you're not going to be able to be. No, it's, it's the exact opposite. The parameters of surrendering our life to God actually frees us up to have true freedom in, in, free, in, in life. And two, also, too, it's not about me surrendering my life to God. I've got to get perfect. 
You see, Scripture says, like, when you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. In the Old Testament. And I used to think that that meant, like, I've got to get it all right. I've got to clean all this up. And then, like, I, you know, I'm going to find God. But no. The idea is, is that, see, my whole heart is my, is my victories. It's what I do right. It's how I obey God good. But it's also all my failures. It's all my sin. It's all my past. It's all my future. So my whole heart is all of that. It's not about getting it all right. And so as I surrender and go there, what happens is, is I actually get cleaned up as I go there. It's not about getting cleaned up before. It's, that's not right. Like, I mean, you don't get clean before you get in the shower. You get in the shower to get clean. I, I love this verse in Psalms this week. I think Psalm 68. It says that, speaking of the people of Israel, he says, he says that he, had, he has abundant showers for his people to refresh them. Abundant showers. Isn't that a great way to think of God? That he has abundant showers for us, right? Like this time of year, it's cold and you get up and just a hot shower. That God has abundant showers for you. So add that on there. You're beautiful. You're the temple of God. And God has abundant showers for you. But surrender brings this about in us when we just surrender to him. So peace in our lives can never really be obtained by getting our hopes and our dreams. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm not going to get peace in my life by obtaining all my hopes and my dreams. I mean, you can look it up. Like the people you look at in the world that you would say, wow, they've arrived professionally or relationally or in different things. And in what they say, if they're honest, you have these interviews, they say, wow, is this it? No, it comes through surrendering our lives to God. And so peace comes when our hearts are at peace within us. So Mary says yes. Uh, But I want you to remember something, because it's not all on her. God said yes first. Right? Remember verse 28, greetings, favored one. So God said yes to Mary way before she said yes to God. And so one person wrote that God's salvation is coming no matter what, with or without Mary's help. So God God doesn't enter anybody or just do anything without our consent. Isn't that amazing? He He's a gentleman. He he just he he wants he wants our participation. And so think about this. Uh, Mary said yes, but think about maybe there was a bunch of other stops along the way for Gabriel. Right? I mean maybe there was other stops that people said no. And just nah, I I'm I'm good. I'm not really interested in that. I'm not really interested in that interruption today. And yet yet Mary says yes. And for that um, you know, in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, she's Theodicus, and which means the God-bearer, because she bore God into the world. A teenager bore God into the world. And, and I believe, as I read the New Testament, that that, that, that now is now all of us. That as, that as we receive God's peace, the person of Jesus, that we now daily... Give birth into him, into the world, into our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, and all around us. So as you think about this, you know, th- this next week, and you think about peace, I'd encourage you to do, do some spiritual reflect, reflection. Take some action upon this. And one thing to do would maybe, you know, write down in a journal 
um, everything that you fill your life with to try to bring peace. You know, like maybe those 15 things that I found on the internet. Like if I want inner peace, I need to do these 15 things. Like as soon as I read the first one, I said, I'm out. I, I have zero peace left. Uh, you know, if I, have to, if, if I have to work that hard at it. Um, and then maybe after you write those things down, maybe take a posture of prayer. Asking God to help you surrender each item on your list to him. And then, you know, and then two, ask God's spirit to fill you as you think about this. Ask him to do that for you. And, and maybe begin to ask that question every day. You know, God, what is it that you want from me today? How can I partner with you today? What are you doing today? And so during this season of peace and Advent and Christmas and the coming of Christ, um, let's ask for, the, for that gift. Let's ask for continuous peace. Let's ask for more of God's interruptions. You know, I really do. I, I believe that many of the things that come into our lives are, are really peace just in disguise. That they're trying to, God's trying to interrupt, you know, and, and yet many times it's like, I, I got this. I got this. And God says, you know what? Just, just let me do it. Just let me do it. Let's stand together and we're going to worship here.